Mike. <laughs> Georgia Tech 23, Miami 20. What the actual fuck, Miami? All you had to do, all you had to do was take a knee. You decided to run the ball instead. For some god awful reason, you decided that, to run the ball. That is an all timer, and I will hear I will hear no uh, no nothing of the sort to say it's not like how this this on is the God's go, green earth. Go ACC moment of the week. The final minute of the Georgia Tech Miami game. The whole thing. The whole thing. Donald Cheney Jr. fumbles with thirty seconds to go. Maybe even less. I think like Maybe 25. even less. Uh, I'm, and, and I mean, you're and they're in field goal territory. Basically, it's like, you know, th- so he fumbles. Georgia Tech picks it up. They're on their own end of the field. You've got yeah. 25 seconds, no timeouts. First play, I think, was a throw to uh, Malik Rutherford. Correct. Doesn't get out of bounds. They got to hustle up, spike the ball. And first of all, that cover the coverage on that play. Just it, King was under pressure and he lobbed it up there. Great throw by Haynes King. Terrible coverage. You and I, so I had just logged in. You're talking about uh, the throw to, to Rutherford. To Rutherford. Yeah. I had just logged in to, uh, to do prep with you as that was happening. And I just had this look of shock on my face. So Rutherford catches that. Like you mentioned, he doesn't get out of bounds. But it's a first down with under two minutes left, so the clock stops until the ball is is placed, right? Mm-hmm. King spikes it, so now we have 10 seconds left. So what does Haynes King do? He rolls out to his right, scramble, scramble, scramble. Christian Leary on a double move gets wide open in the Miami secondary, 44 do the, yards. Do the Canes but, think they're playing for a field goal, I guess? 40, I, they must, I mean... Why are you the, letting guys behind you? What are y'all doing? Pay attention. The double move, dude. The double move. King makes his second consecutive unbelievable throw. And Leary goes in for the touchdown <laughs> with two seconds to play. I <laughs> And then, you know, pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo at the end off of a, uh, off a squ- squib kick went out of bounds and then... Tyler Van Dyke doesn't have the arm to throw the ball 55 yards. So Miami elected with the pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo, Carter Claiborne, go ACC moment of the year. Maybe even yes. I leader in the clubhouse to Miami's credit. That was like a 45 second pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo situation. That's it takes a lot to draw it out that long Unreal. Has there ever been a Brian Alt? Has there ever been a more obvious go ACC moment of the week? No. There has not. Man, there were candidates through the day, and like, there were some candidates. And then at the last minute, I, <laughs> I am I I cannot believe what I just saw, Mike. I, I hi, oh by the way, hi Cam. <laughs> hey Cam, uh, I, Cam is probably uh, getting a reintroduction to whatever he had for lunch and maybe for dinner right now, and maybe whatever he had at the tailgate. And dude. I <laughs> like I said on you the preview. You have got to be kidding me with the way that that game ended. And by the way, the Donald Cheney fumble 
might not have even been a fumble. Like it was, yeah, it was reviewed. It was clearly whatever they had called on the field was going to stand. I don't think there was clear evidence of either way. Right. <laughs> My Too funny man. Goodness gracious. Like I said, like I said on the preview, weird shit goes down when Miami plays Georgia Tech. Yeah, dude, I. <laughs> Um, something I tweeted out and Mike, I don't know if you saw this, but, um, you know, the thing that happened last week was Georgia tech was a three touchdown favorite at home wearing black specialty Adidas jerseys. I did see and this. they lost. Um, well, and the, the thing is for this week for Miami, is they, they were, uh, Oh, Oh, they were a three touchdown favorite at home wearing mm-hmm. black specialty Adidas jerseys. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, new game. No specialty Adidas jerseys ever. <laughs> None. It is just so funny. I Mike, if you had told me 10 days ago that Georgia Tech was going to go one and one against Bowling Green in Miami, I would have believed you to my core. And if what if told I told me, you? If you had told me they were going to lose to Bowling Green and beat Miami, not a chance. Zero percent chance that that was going to happen. No way. Good thing Bowling Green, by the way, got all of their uh, scoring outburst out of the way last week against Georgia Tech because they got blanked today by Miami, Ohio, 27 nothing in a Brian game. Brian Alt. Yeah. Once again, yeah. Uh, they, they scored 38 points last week at Bobby Dodd Stadium and getting yeah. shut out by the Red Hawks. Yeah. I told you when we were completely normal sport. Told you when we were joking around on the uh, preview about the Bowling Green game that I would be betting it, and I did, and did it. Yep, that was uh, I had a nice five uh, five leg teaser that included William and Mary teased up to fourteen. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> saved by the uh, the push there, but uh, yeah, the other one was Miami teased down to minus one against Bowling Green, and uh, yeah, that got there easily. This so is just fun. this is just a baffling, a baffling display of just unbelievably terrible coaching, just in just a to- baffling display of incompetency by like, Mario Cristobal. Take yeah. a knee. The game is over. What was it? Tim Hasselbeck on the call is yelling. Why are you he, like before they ran the play? He's like, why are you running the ball? Just take a knee. Georgia Tech is out of timeouts. Like the the math says, you could take a knee twice. The game's over. You don't need a first down. Like nothing. Just take a knee. And as he's yelling about this, they hand it off to Donald Cheney. Fumbles, and next thing you know, Miami's not undefeated anymore. Like Justin, that is just Justin Brown gross incompetence uh, for like late game game management by Mario Cristobal. That is unbelievable. Justin Brown in the comments. I stopped looking before the third down. I assumed the game was over. Yeah. You know what, Justin? That's because you're a normal college football fan. Late Saturday night. You know, I, I turned it off. up the first down. Joey I turned it off to come me. log on here and get ready. And like, I, you know, I turned it back on. I was like, oh, I guess Miami's got a first down in less than a minute and 20. And tech has no timeouts. Like, yeah, all right. Game's over. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Unbelievable, Mike. We forget, man. We we forget that these are 18 to 22-year-olds. 
and they're sometimes led by individuals who get paid a lot of money, but still sometimes don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> from a game management standpoint. I mean, somebody's going to ask Cristobal about this in the post game, and I don't know what my answer would be if I were to go up there as the coach and be like, I don't know why we didn't take an A. I don't know how much you know, Mike, about 18 to 22 year old men, but um, in my, I've been one before. Likewise, in my experience, um, 18 to 22 year old men cannot be trusted to have flawless decision making and uh, to act in totally rational, predictable manners. So if you're predicting that and, and you're banking on that, that's on you, Mario Cristobal. Yeah, man. That that's a game of that's a game of roulette that I certainly would not be willing to play. <laughs> hey I, man, I uh, I just I I am in shock. I cannot believe what I just saw. That is bowl, bowl watch is back on. That somehow, some way, and in Miami, nonetheless. Uh, I mean, that is. I have watched a lot of college football in the last probably 15 years, that is an all-timer of a way to lose a game like that. I have seen some crazy stuff. I was in attendance at the miracle on Techwood, like the whole thing. I don't know that I can distinctly remember something quite like that. That is just pure blatant mismanagement coming back to bite a team in the ass that has a game one put away buried. Like it's over. And your own mismanagement is what lost you the game. Unbelievable. Simply hysterical for Miami. I and this is and by the way, all that we have talked about here is, is the, the final is the final yeah. 90 seconds of the game. Yeah. Because what if you go back and, and somebody's gonna look at this score tomorrow and they're gonna see that Georgia Tech won this game 23 to 20. They're gonna see that Miami outgained them by 200 yards. They're going to see that uh, Miami turned the ball over five times in this game. Yep. I mean, just what what an unbelievable. I I, I will say this. Let me let me say this. So so again, we'll give a maybe a little bit of a proper recap here. Um, Georgia Tech was outgunned in this game in so mm-hmm. many ways. Um, they, they had a bad time moving the ball on offense. They, they come away with 250 yards of offense in a game that they won. Um, hilarious. Hilarious. Cause like a third of them came on the final drive. Y- yeah. Somehow. <laughs> um, some of their best offense, honestly, was like Haynes King scrambling. Like that's, yeah. that's about as good as Georgia tech was able to do in this game. It was not very good. Miami was really good on defense. I, I don't like Tyler Van Dyke was not good in this game at all like three picks he threw for almost 300 yards and a touchdown but yeah the three picks all of them were terrible mm-hmm. those were every one of them was a horrible throw um it, something just looked a little bit off with miami this whole game again they were gaining yards but like they were stalling out when it came around you know they started getting into plus territory um i don't know if it was the bye week I don't know if there's a little bit of some sort of overratedness and you could say, well, they blew out Texas A&M and A&M, you know, looked good, even took, took Bama kind of to the wire here today. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that game seemed like it kind of snowballed on A&M a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what that was. I will say this Georgia tech's defense we, for all that we've Better. talked about tackling Better. and lineup issues and everything. 
Georgia Tech's defense played their tails off today. There were, I don't remember a whole lot in the way of broken tackles in this game. There were guys and, and guys trying to tackle from behind guys, just kind of sweeping it at Miami's feet. They were getting Miami to the ground so consistently and yeah, a level better. we haven't seen all year from them, which is bizarre when all they did was, you know, they kind of rotated the coaching staff a little bit and somehow, I don't know if it's just getting lined up right. Uh, but yeah, Georgia Tech's defense kept them in this game for sure. Uh, they had a massive interception in the end zone by LaMiles Brooks on a horrific throw by uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Jalen King had an interception that, again, was a bad throw by Tyler Van Dyke. He almost ran it back for a touchdown, if not for a you know a tackle in the red zone. Um, so that kind of that helped a lot, I think, where Miami yardage ended up doing nothing, and it didn't take Georgia Tech a whole lot of offensive yards to score some points off of that. But um, yeah, this was this a good win for Georgia Tech. Defense kept a minute. <laughs> This is a huge black eye, an embarrassing loss for Miami. They they should have won this game. They probably should have gotten close to covering a three-touchdown spread, if I'm being real honest with myself. Randy Shannon would have taken the knee. Mm-hmm. I bet Al, Al Golden, Golden would have. What about Manny Al Golden, Diaz? Manny Diaz would have taken a knee. Larry Coker? Jimmy? <laughs> In an NIL era, Larry Coker would have won Butch. a couple more natties. <laughs> yeah. Butch. Yeah. Likewise with Butch. How far do I go back? Was, was Schnelly ever at uh, at Miami? Yep. He also would have called the uh, victory formation play. Unbelievable. Baffling. I mean, baffling. <laughs> And Cristobal, I, I could tell you the book's going to be out in the presser, right? Because he's going to be like, oh, we didn't play perfect football. Van Dyke threw three picks, whatever. We fumbled. We had to take better care of the football. Nope, 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 you, nope. You won nope, the game. Nope. You won the game. It was nope. over. Yep. You won, you won in spite of all that. This was pure incompetency. You got to own it. And this was a, me in the fourth those, quarter. Of those a- reporters better not let him get away with it either. This was me in the fourth quarter of a dynasty league and NCAA 14 trying to get my guys the Heisman trophy, trying to run it up like, no, you had the game one. It was over. And that wasn't good enough. And incredible. Unbelievable. Hysterical for my I mean, I've I've said that a few times. Just hysterical for my I I just (laughs) I, I don't have words. I, and it's I not can't fair. And it's not fair. I mean, it is in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it's like not fair to necessarily just be like Georgia Tech got lucky because I thought Georgia Tech played well here, like offensively a little bit of a struggle. But like you mentioned, the defense played well tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the most well-rounded performance against like a real team this season defensively. I mean, it yeah. was solid. Tackled well, uh, forced obviously the turnovers. They made Miami uh, work for it all night. Yeah. So this was not a certainly not a perfect game for Miami and Georgia Tech's defense. I think had a lot to do with that. But <laughs> just take a knee. I don't. <laughs> what, Mike? This would never happen in the NFL. If you think that the NFL <laughs> is good football, no, no, no. This is good football. This is fun. A three touchdown underdog <laughs> winning a game because the other team wouldn't take a knee. 
That's that's the stuff right there. Hit up the sickos committee on Twitter. <laughs> so gross. All right. Well, bowl game watches back on for Georgia Tech. Somehow, some way. But yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I'm good to move on if you are, Mike. I am. Uh, Georgia Tech 23, Miami 20. <clears throat> I hate to waste all of our good content at the front, but we have to talk about this now, too. Number 25, Louisville 33. Number 10, Notre Dame 20. And Mike, Buddy... If you had buddy, told me coming into the night that two of the three between Georgia Tech, Louisville, and the Braves were going to win, I would buddy, not have gotten it right. <laughs> buddy, Louisville beat that ass mm-hmm. in the trenches in the second half. Now, mm-hmm. now, okay, Louisville was game in the trenches all night long, but in the second half specifically, beat that ass. And mm-hmm. Notre Dame had Notre Dame had some injuries up front, right? But Louisville was living in the background, uh, in the background, in the backfield all night, mm-hmm. living back there. Hartman's life was hell. Hartman is scared of the bird from Carter Claiborne. He is miserable on the road at Louisville. I think he now has like his last two games there. He has five interceptions, I believe. Uh, yeah, that I mean, the, the game that Wake Forest played there last year was the time that they had like six turnovers in the third quarter or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, maybe eight in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Hartman with three interceptions in this game. He also lost two fumbles. Um, yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't know. Ghosts on the field or something like that. Like. Sam Hartman in Louisville is a uh, is a tough situation right now. Yeah, Notre Dame's got some problems on offense, and they basically look like the offense they had a year ago with Tyler Buckner and then Drew Pine for most of the year, and then Buckner in the bowl game, where they basically only ran one play, and it was throw it to Michael Mayer. They're now doing that with a guy who looks like Michael Mayer, Mitchell Evans, like a gigantic tight end. They're basically just throwing it to him a million times. And once teams figure that out and stack the box, Notre Dame is a zero on offense right now. They have no offensive creativity. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, honestly, because Notre Dame's offense looked like it knew what the hell it was doing. And again, adjust for, you know, the caliber of opponents, certainly. But even against Ohio State, Notre Dame did look explosive at times offensively. Now you could see some shades where it was like, all right, they're going to have some issues if, you know, opponents lock down the tight ends and Ohio state certainly struggled to lock down Notre Dame's tight ends in that game, but Louisville figured it out. They cracked the code and Notre Dame really couldn't unlock much of anything in the passing game tonight. And then running the football, the Irish were miserable. They were behind the chains all night. Uh, Let's see what they finished at on third down. At one point, they were two of 10. They finished three out of 13. Three of 13 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down, including a heinous decision. They were down, what was the score there? They were down two scores. It was, I think it was a 10 point game, maybe 11. Was it, uh, I think it was 24, 24, 13 at the time. Yeah, it was, it was a two score game with just under 10 minutes to go. Notre Dame has the ball on their own 35-yard line. It's 4th and 11. Yeah. And I texted the group. I was like, what are we doing going for this? Like, you've got time. Yep. You've got timeouts. Yep. This is it, – it, it felt panicky to me that they went for it in that spot, and they got yep. nowhere close. They knew they were in trouble. Louisville is up 24-13. to 13. 
with 9.42 to play. And Hartman, after a timeout, Hartman was under pressure and just basically <laughs> threw the ball off his back foot, couldn't step into the throw because he was in, under such immense pressure, fell incomplete. Louisville actually only got a field goal out of that. Notre Dame was pretty fortunate. But the game was pretty much over at that point. Notre Dame could not stop the run tonight. Uh, they got gashed. Jawar Jordan had a couple of gigantic runs in this game. Um, Notre Dame made him work for it early in the game, but he finished with 21 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns. The The whole thing with Louisville, I thought, I thought we established this, was that you make Jack Plummer beat you. Just a total system failure by Notre Dame tonight. Yeah. And as for Louisville, commit to the run. And defensively, really, really impressive. Really impressive. Um, I just, mean, the like, remember how Jawar Jordan was, what, 16 carries for 32 yards last week against NC State? Yeah, he won the Kobe Award. Mm-hmm. Tonight, 21 for 143 and two scores. Get right game. Notre Dame. Notre Dame did not have much of an answer here. No. I, no. I texted the group at one point, you know, the, I say the group, you mean Scott. I, I texted y'all. I was like, I, I'm wondering something that we didn't really harp on or, or mm-hmm. really hit on in the preview was like, is there a cumulative effect here for Notre Dame? Two weeks ago, they played a full 60 minutes and just barely lost in the last play to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Last week, they play a full 60 minutes on the road against Duke. And, and barely win Super Bowl game. And now you go on the road again. And in, in, I'm wondering if there's a cumulative exhaustion here because they, it felt like they were missing something kind of this whole game, really, yeah. and especially in the trenches. Like, I don't know. Louisville's offensive line is pretty good, but not, you know, it, Notre Dame's defensive line probably should have been as good, if not a little bit better. Um, but, Louisville's defense, especially, I mean, they played with their hair on fire in this yeah. game and, and Notre Dame's offense and offensive line, especially did not have a good answer for it. Um, no. And I, I wonder if some of that is again, three weeks in a row, not to mention, I think it's, we said it's USC next week, right? Yeah. Like, it's USC next week. Um, Chris Vanini from the athletic Notre Dame looks like a team tired from being each opponent's biggest game of the year. Mm hmm. Yep, basically speaks to exactly what you were saying there. And we did not harp on that enough in the preview. It was a look ahead spot for Notre Dame. It was also the cumulative effect of, and I'm not making excuses for Notre Dame. They got that ass beat, but just like thinking about it from a Notre Dame standpoint, it's like, man, that full 60 minute game against Ohio state, like you mentioned the Duke game last week, which was nuts. You know, you had to convert that fourth and 16 or fourth and 13, whatever it was at the end. Um, and then tonight, just being behind the eight ball in a really, really hostile environment. And then, you know, you look up at the schedule and it's like, man, we got this thing started in week zero. We haven't had a bye week yet. Notre Dame yeah. has two bye weeks and they're not until later in the year. Um, it's really late to have your first of two by weeks. Right. Right. So, I mean, Notre Dame's going to have, and I'm going to look at their schedule right now and confirm this, but they have two bye weeks here coming up. And yeah, the first of which comes after the USC game. 
So it takes basically until the weekend of October 21st to get your first bye week, and you played in week zero. Notre so you played eight games. You would have played eight games. That's correct. Eight games. So Notre Jeez. Dame then plays plays Pitt on the 28th. They travel to Clemson, and then after the Clemson game, they have a bye week, the week of November 11th. So play like two games, get a bye week after weird, that. Weird schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Play two games, get a bye week, and you know now they have an extra week there to prep for Wake Forest. <laughs> weird schedule. And as we're recording right now, Arizona's up 17 to 7 on USC <laughs> right before halftime. So that mm-hmm. game might lose a lot of its uh Notre Dame did its part to make sure that game loses a lot of its luster next weekend, but uh USC is doing their part as well. So USC not letting them do that alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're happy to help. So um I I do want to be clear about one thing. This is a huge win for Louisville and it's gigantic. It, I mean we were making jokes coming in of Louisville's five and zero. Have they beaten a team that's going to go to a bowl game yet? Um, at this point, Mike, I will say this: they have a hundred percent beaten a team that's going to go to a bowl game, um, and probably probably a decent one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Probably um, a like decent one. New Year's Six level bowl game. Yeah, that's a good Notre Dame team that they beat. Um, yeah. I want to say this too: is that if you if you see a team like this pull off an upset like this, the I think who's the first player that you that your mind goes to? That it's like this. This win goes to just in in general. From yeah, like, well, who the the biggest piece of this win? You know, anytime you see a team that pulls off an upset like this, who who's the the one player on the team that's like they they manage this win? It, it would be the quarterback. That's right, Jack Plummer. Right, seventeen to twenty four for one forty five and a touchdown. That was it. This is not this is not a Jack Plummer win. Mm-mm. Jack. This is not like he had some heroic performance. I want to be very clear about that. Like he's still just a guy to me. Maybe, maybe Jag plus, like maybe, but um, this is the equivalent of C plus. Yeah. This is more about Jawar Jordan going for 143 yards on the ground. Louisville's offensive line paving the way Louisville's defense playing with their hair on fire. Like yeah. culture win. Jack Plummer didn't win this game. He just didn't lose it. Right. So just being very, very clear about that. But I mean, what a night in Louisville. And I mean, that crowd was hot the whole game. Um, I, I texted the group right after I remember the, so Notre Dame gets the ball to start the game. Sam Hartman throws an interception. Wasn't mm-hmm. good. Nope. Louisville gets the ball, goes down, scores a touchdown. It's seven, nothing instantly. And I texted the group. I was like, this is a worst case scenario start for Notre Dame right now, mm-hmm. because you're again, you're on the road, hostile environment. You have just gotten the crowd. You just shot a lightning bolt through that crowd. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the whole, you know, Sam Hartman, Louisville Ghosts situation and Jeff Brom, big game coach situation. And I mean, all of it. But I, you know, just from start to finish, I don't think, did Notre Dame ever lead this game? No. I don't it know was if seven. they did. Well, it, wait, wait. It was seven. It was seven, seven to all seven. And then I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame kicked a field goal to make it 10 to seven after halftime. Okay. Yeah. All after right. halftime, third quarter. And then Louisville immediately kicked a field goal after that, tied it, and never gave – or I guess they scored, never gave the lead after that. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Louisville went on to score – yeah, it was 10-7. And, yeah, Louisville did basically all the scoring after that. Yep. Hard yeah. to win a game when you're minus four in turnovers. Yeah, typically. Mm-hmm. Typically. Uh, so 
this was one of Louisville's tougher games on the schedule. I think it was. And Lee Nobody asked the question, is Louisville a lock for the ACC championship? And uh, I don't want to say lock because North Carolina, we'll talk about them maybe next. Mm -hmm. They're looking pretty good. But North Carolina's got a little tougher schedule to navigate than Louisville does here down the stretch. So, You know who Louisville has to play down the stretch? Uh, well, I not I'll North Carolina. You, I'll tell you. Uh, well, on November fourth, they got to uh, they got to host the upstart Virginia Tech Hokies. You know. All right, so that's one loss. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> in all seriousness, Louisville has Duke in a few weeks, and that's setting up to be a huge, huge, huge game the weekend of the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. So, big question of do, does Duke have Riley Leonard back? Or what do they yeah. do without him? Right. Um, that's that's the really unfortunate thing for Duke coming out of that game last weekend is like they're coming into a really interesting kind of make or break segment of not only their schedule, but like mm-hmm. a couple of the teams that they're going to play over the next three-ish weeks. Like wins and losses, it's a huge deal in terms of who, you know, who goes seven and one, six and two in the in the ACC and like, Duke not having Riley Leonard over that stretch is really unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. I feel bad yeah. for them. I feel bad for him. Like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. They said it's not season ending, right? That's what Pete Thamel said, but didn't really elaborate. Our guess was high ankle sprain just because of how it looked. But those can take a little bit of time. Uh, Duke did not play today, right? They were off. And so we'll see if Leonard gets trotted out this week in practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of see what his status is moving forward. But yeah, I mean that Louisville Duke game, if Leonard is able to play, that is going to be a gigantic football game. It's going to be pretty significant for conference implications. So, yep. because you'll remember like Duke lost to Notre Dame. Duke's still in this thing too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are there are a handful of of ACC teams right now that have put themselves in in pretty good position here uh, as we enter mid October. So we're going to go a- into the games on October fourteenth, and Duke undefeated in conference. Yeah. Yep. That's one and zero, and the one is against Clemson. Yeah. Good one to have in your back pocket. As we all expected. I don't... <laughs> as, just as we all expected. This league. This league. And just wait till we add Stanford and Cal. Okay, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, can't wait. Yeah. Fun. Uh, Louisville 33, Notre Dame 20. Huge for Brom, man. Huge for Jeff Brom. Don't Dude. want don't want that to get lost in the Notre Dame talk there at the beginning. Big Huge for Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom. Yeah. I, I don't know that I make enough of a deal about it on this podcast that I am also like a Louisville fan here. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that's my second fandom. My dad was born and raised in Louisville. When I was a little kid, I was forced to choose between Louisville and Kentucky. And of course I chose the cards and, yeah, and all probably good after the way I, the way that game went today for Kentucky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably yeah. good choice. Uh, now there is, there is one team that I will cheer for Kentucky against. 
and they got blown out by him today. So yeah. never mind. Yeah. Um, they, Georgia but, hung fifty one on him. So. But I was I was thrilled watching Louisville win this game. So huge win for the Cards. Huge win for Jeff Brom. Um, hopefully a sign of things to come. Yeah, they're in Louisville. We will find yep. out. Uh, yeah, Louisville thirty three, Notre Dame twenty. Mike, oh, where real, real, to? Just real fast, Lee. Nobody asked if Marcus Freeman's honeymoon is over. The honeymoon was over last year when he lost to Marshall and Stanford. Mm-hmm. That's when the honeymoon is. Back ends. to back, they were like one and two. They, they, it was Marshall. No, they lost to Ohio State and Marshall back to back, and they lost to Stanford like three weeks later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's when the honeymoon ends when you're at Notre Dame. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, where mm. to, where to, oh, this game was on some crack cocaine, uh, but the bet hit, uh, NC state 48, Marshall 41, just Dude, like I said, wild, just like I said in the preview, Marshall was going to have trouble scoring here and they did, they had trouble, enough trouble scoring to like win three the of their drives. Yeah. They had three drives where they couldn't score. That's what I meant. This game, like I, I watched a good amount of this game as much, like as much as I could. There was so little of this game that like makes sense in retrospect. Mike, when you see a game that ends 48 to 41, would you believe it if I told you that Marshall, who lost this game, had the most total yardage at 419? Like, <laughs> that makes more sense if it's like 38-31. Like, where did all the points come from in this game and just... There were six turnovers. Each team turned it over three times. And I felt like half the time, like Marshall screwed it up and they came back over to the sideline and Charles Huff's just like looking at him like a disappointed father. Like, come on, like, you know, not to do this stuff. And MJ Morris, like, was good in moments and bad in others. And also, like, took a massive shot and got replaced by uh, Brandon Armstrong at one mm-hmm. point. And uh, man, this is like a full on uh, 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 Stefan from saturday night live like this game had everything everything this is a mess everything uh i think my favorite stat from this game is nc state going three of 12 on third down and scoring 48 points yeah hysterical sure just why not why not right why not uh (laughs) i i too uh i was just getting back into town from the wedding i was at last night in in new jersey i was just getting back into town uh for the second half of this game and boy oh boy uh, did I uh, log in, so to speak, just at the right time? Mm-hmm. Electric. Yeah. Electric. It was only really like enhanced by the whole CW broadcast situation, yeah. which it like it, if you're watching it on mute, you know, maybe you just got like a screenshot here or there. Like it looks like it's an ESPN broadcast, but brother, it the is score bug, not. the score bug and everything. Yeah, like, there, there are there is a lot of bugginess and weirdness that goes on with those broadcasts. It is uh, not my favorite. Uh, Carter Claiborne, MJ Morris, at least, isn't afraid to air it out. That's correct. He plays like he has no fear. He has a lot of Anthony Calandria in him, and I probably would have come to that conclusion last year if I saw more of MJ Morris outside of like that Virginia Tech game. 
I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, like Anthony Calandria has a lot of MJ Morris in him. But then MJ <laughs> Morris just went right back to the bench and they brought Brian Armstrong in. But yeah, buddy, uh, a lot of similarities between Calandria and MJ Morris. A lot of effort. I'm going deep. I was going to say, yeah, uh, MJ Morris is an equal opportunity air it out kind of guy as an equal yeah. opportunity to the offense and the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, yeah, he had a couple of nice deep passes that, you know, picked up yards and chunks. And I mean, four touchdowns, three interceptions is like, that's an Anthony Calandria ass line right there. Like making stuff happen for somebody or other. Every time you throw the ball, it was excellent. I loved it. Yeah. Weird game. Yeah. NC State defended the run pretty well here, but like not as well as I kind of thought they would. Yeah. Um, Marshall, the, I mean, the stats show 38 carries for 104 yards, which is like Kobe Bryant Memorial Award territory. But um, that includes six sacks, eight tackles for loss for NC State. That, I mean, when you, when you take those out, like Marshall actually ran the ball okay compared mm-hmm. to what NC State is used to giving up. So... There was that, but NC State's defense continues to kind of be the common thread here that's really holding the thing together. I mean, NC State's four and two, and for for a four and two team, I don't know that you either of us is particularly high on them right now, Mike. I mean, no. it's not a particularly great situation in Raleigh at the moment, relative to what we're used to in the last few years. I mean, Cam Fancher for Marshall. First of all, he has no business throwing the ball fifty-one times, but he did. And he threw for 315 yards here. And I was not anticipating NC State to have so many issues in their secondary. I mean, the whole second half, I'm just watching guys run wide open. I'm like, what, what are they doing? It's it's like watching like a like if you step on an ant mound and everyone's just going everywhere. Like just none of it made sense. The, the, the whole yeah. game was just just wild. I don't know. I, that's the only way I know how to describe it. And I mean, good on NC state for winning the game and, and, and getting it in the, in the, in the record books. Yeah. Again, we thought this was going to go under what the total, I think was in the forties and both teams got to the forties. I just, yeah. One of the stranger games of the year, I think in the ACC, when we uh, look back, all things told, but, but like good I on said, NC state for winning NC state, my six and a half. I locked that baby up. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. I had a, I had Marshall. I took Marshall in a teaser. I had a five leg teaser as a seven point teaser. So I had Marshall plus 13 and a half. I jumped off the couch went on fourth and four down two touchdowns. Marshall uh, ran it in and scores a touchdown to uh, make it a one score game. I was pumped. Yeah. And then my first thought, Mike was with the picks on the podcast. And I'm also in a pick em league. It was like, are they going to go for two? I would have like, been so I would have been sick to my stomach. <laughs> do the the down 14 go for two when you score a touchdown like that's become kind of a famous thing the last few years yeah. i thought they were going to do it and uh, now they just kicked the extra point onside kick i think and then nothing came of it and that was it but um, that would have been the uh gambling gods coming back for me on that uh notre dame <laughs> minus five and a half pick against duke last week yeah they had to go for two yeah. to cover there yep that would have been kind of the uh boomerang effect of that miracle that's right so that's right yeah <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so I, I come away from this, and I still don't think NC State's very good. Yeah, no. I I mean, are they better with MJ Morris than Brendan Armstrong? I think so, yes. 
Mm-hmm. Is it like materially, sorry, materially noticeably better? Not, not by much. Yeah. Um, still very flawed, flawed kind of in a different way, but uh, yeah, like, I, I think one of the big differences I think I saw and what I saw from MJ Morris versus what I've been seeing from Brendan Armstrong is that <clears throat> Brendan Armstrong holds onto the ball a lot longer and mm-hmm. is waiting for something to come open. MJ Morris doesn't care if it's open or not. He's throwing it. And like <laughs> that turns into turnovers versus Brendan Armstrong turns into sacks and right. you know, it's pick your poison, I guess at that point, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not all that high on NC State right now, based on what I've seen in this game or others. So NC State's four and two, and the next question I'm going to pose is, will they make a bowl game? So, I think so. NC State goes to Duke next Saturday. So we just had this conversation about Duke. Let's see who the quarterback is, right? Assuming no Leonard, I, I think they can win that game. By week on the 21st, host Clemson on the 28th. Mm-mm. Probably not. No. Host Miami on November 4th. I don't think so. I don't think so, right? At Wake. Always weird. Always weird. At Virginia Tech. Maybe, yeah. Seems like they're probably their most winnable game left at Virginia Tech. Are they favored in back-to-back road games at Wake and at Virginia Tech? No, I'll say they won't be in one of them. Really? Okay. All right. All right. I think they probably split the difference on one of those games. I think they're favored in both of them. Okay. Then they host Carolina at the end of the year. Probably not. This is not the easiest schedule here. It's not. And that's, you know, I I found myself thinking about that, especially during this game, as this was turning into a bit of a dogfight game, was Mm -hmm. four and two versus three and three coming out of this game is a massive difference for NC State going to a bowl game. So yeah, it's it's a huge deal that the Wolfpack got the win today because they needed it badly with what they had right. left on the back half of their schedule. Yeah, obviously, I would still probably bet on NC State making a bowl game. Yeah, I would too. But uh, not the easiest path. I mean, NC State make a bowl game? Yes, minus one thirty right now. Like, it's not going to be real convincing, right? It's favorites, but not by that much. Right, like, right. There's a, there's a path to not make it. There's definitely a path to not make it, which I guess is the only thing I wanted to portray there is that this is no slam dunk and it's just better off that they went ahead and won this game today. So that's right. That's right. We'll see. Yep. NC State 48, Marshall 41. Mike, these previews and these previews recaps so far brought to you by section 103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, things with the official tech gold, all the official word marks. It's all officially licensed. It's super comfortable. It is high quality. Things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. I'm wearing mine right now. Uh, I <laughs> The weather continues to cool off, and I still need the performance wear because I'm, you know, I'm a big boy like that, so it happens. But um, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I, I'm guessing there was some Section 103 magic at play today as Georgia Tech beats Miami. Um, if you're following them on their social medias, by the way, you would know that Georgia Tech beating number 17 Miami means that all day tomorrow, that's Sunday, 17% off everything at section103.com. So go find it there. <laughs> I forgot that cash. That's right. That it cash. cash. It so. got home. 17% off everything at section103.com tomorrow, Sunday, after a Georgia Tech win over number 17 Miami. So go go get it there. 
any day after that, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. We really appreciate the partnership of Steven and the gang. Um, yeah, huge win for Georgia Tech. Go get 17% off tomorrow on Sunday. And follow them on social media to know when more deals are coming. And I guess we'll just get the other two ad reads out of the way real quick before I forget. Uh, we're also sponsored by Home Field Apparel. Uh, use the promo code GOACC at checkout to receive 15% off your first order. Premium licensed collegiate apparel. Super comfortable. Vintage logos, designs. Joey and I both own uh, some performance wear from them. Some nice clothing. Uh, very comfortable. Highly recommend shopping at Homefield if you haven't. Again, use promo code GOACC at checkout for 15% off your first order. Also sponsored by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code BCPOD20 to receive $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Tickets are really expensive these days. Vivid Seats has you covered. So if you're going to a game this fall, going to a Georgia Tech game, trying to see if the Jackets can make it to bowl eligibility, trying to see if Miami can... Uh, find a way uh, to blow the rest of their schedule and not make it to a bowl game uh, after a four-win start to the year. Uh, yeah, check out Vivid Seats. Again, use promo code uh, BCPOD20 for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Joey's back. And I'm mute. There I'm you muted, sorry. Turns out I'm a lot like Mario Cristobal. I'm not a good planner, and so mm-hmm. I needed a little bit of a refresher on the beverage. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I mean, that's fair enough. <laughs> Who am I to judge? I am I am not drinking. Uh, usually I drink during Saturday Night Fever. I am not drinking tonight because uh, I was at a wedding last night. So let's, let's do some math there, okay? Drink enough for two nights? That's, yeah. Plus I have a kid, you know, how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go here next. North Carolina, 14th ranked North Carolina, 40. Syracuse, 7. Do we have a sound um, for this? I'm looking for it. This, this is what happens when Scott's not here, is that... Uh, hmm, let's see. Let's see. Anything? Nothing? No, not seeing anything. Okay. I got nothing. Sorry. Fair enough. Carry on. Uh, uh, here's a sound effect. Uh, Syracuse got that ass beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 27 to nothing at halftime. This thing was never competitive. Nope. I don't really understand it from Syracuse's side. We were talking about this going in, and, and this um, this line actually swelled. So we were talking about this earlier in the week with the with the spread. I think we had, I can't remember if it was like around eight, eight and a half. This actually got it to nine and a half. Uh, Carolina was almost a 10-point favorite. If this thing got into double digits, I was considering betting Syracuse. I think I may have mentioned that on the podcast that if it got into double digits, that this would be something that I may be interested in. What no blame to you? Syracuse has been like really solid to serviceable so far this year. Right. So yeah, wouldn't blame to you except for today. They were not, they were not. So we've been talking about Drake may all year. We've talked about how Carolina, the offense looks a little bit different. We're trying to run the ball a little bit more, uh, you know, the Chip Lindsay offense has looked a little bit different than the Phil Longo offense in that regard. We were really waiting for that Drake May breakout game. Found it. Mm-hmm. Found it. 33 of 47 for 442 yards and three touchdowns. Is that good? Buddy, that's real good. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Uh, Syracuse had no answer 
we always joke about Syracuse. It's going to be like, oh, this is going to be the Garrett Schrader game. Mm-hmm. We found out pretty early. This kind of declared as the uh, Drake May game. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, I, I have a feeling that I know a little bit of what happened here as well, Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, a little birdie tells me that uh, there, there's a man, I, I think his name is Gene Chizik. And I'm told that he's a listener to the Basketball Conference podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and, and a certain podcast told him there's only one guy you got to defend here in the Syracuse offense. And boy, did they. His name is Garrett Schrader. Mm-hmm. And for a guy who completed 15 to 21 passes, he only got 124 yards and a pick. And uh, my guy ran 10 times for 28 yards. And uh, turns out the wheels completely came off Syracuse's offense. LaQuinn Allen, Syracuse's starting running back. The Sean Tucker replacement. Mm-hmm. 11 carries for 38 yards and a touchdown. Mom, can we have Sean Tucker? We have Sean Tucker at home. It's LaQuinn Allen. Sorry, I'm just being mean now. Please. <laughs> yeah. This is... Uh... Please, please. There it is. Please, please. Oh, God. It's on loop? Man. Damn, Scott. <laughs> Thought I was somewhere else, not recording a podcast. Now. <laughs> Good thing you weren't sharing your screen. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> close the window. Close the window. Close the window. <laughs> Thankfully, Man. nobody's at work on a Saturday night, right? <laughs> You're gonna have to close this window if that's the case. <laughs> Man. Professional podcasting <laughs> in its finest form. You've come to the right place. It's 1227 a.m. Eastern time on October the 8th. Mario Cristobal still hasn't called for a kneel down. Yeah. Basketball conference after dark. <laughs> no producer uh parental supervision here. We already got the adries out of the way, so they're mm-hmm. uh Look, they know what they're in for at this point. We're the parents that need to be supervised. Right. <laughs> the parents need to be supervised by the guy who's not quite a parent yet. You know, <laughs> he'll get there. Uh, yeah, man. Carolina hangs 40 on Syracuse. Syracuse's defense was supposed to be decent, and they were just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Totally overwhelmed. And, you know, I would say that Carolina didn't run the ball that great, but that would be a lie. Uh, <laughs> They ran it just fine. They just didn't have to run it a bunch here. Uh, Amari mm-hmm. Hampton, 15 for 78. British Brooks, he's their change of pace back. Six carries for 25 yards. So, again, he was averaged over four carry. As a team, Carolina ran for 202 yards. Because Drake May had 55 yards on his own with a touchdown run. I just want to shout out the Carolina receiving core. Uh, Nate McCollum, seven for 135. Kobe Paysauer, buddy, he had a ridiculous catch in this game. Uh, ran over the middle. I, I texted you guys in the chat as soon as it happened. Uh, ran across the middle of the field. Drake May, uh, actually one of the worst balls he threw all night. He threw it about a yard and a half behind Paysauer, and he reached back like this and tipped it back to himself with the defender on his hip. 
And the defender, of course, went for the ball once it was tipped in the air because he wanted to try to pick it off, which was the obvious play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he missed and went down to the ground. Paysauer takes it to the house. So uh, that was a 77-yarder, which this game was already over at that point. That was early second half when that play happened. Uh, one of the plays of the week. Just outstanding. But yeah, I mean, Carolina's real good. We're talking about ACC contenders. Carolina would be one of them. They're in that realm. They can score with the Florida State. Uh, on some nights, if their defense shows up, they might be able uh, to slow down Florida State enough where if they're getting a good Drake May game, you know, they, they could be a team that could certainly win the ACC. I could see that happening. That's mm-hmm. something that's, yeah. uh, you know, I wouldn't call them the favorite. I think Florida State's obviously the favorite, but I think Carolina is a good candidate because of the way they've played defense at times this year and the way the offense has looked in totality, it's been complete. It's been something different every game that's worked, but nothing has been real bad all year offensively. It's just kind of like a pick your poison type thing. It feels like, I mean, I, I realize that North Carolina's defense, they, they look good here today, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they really stifled anything that Syracuse was trying to do mm-hmm. in this game. But the thing is like what we've been saying for years is that North Carolina does not need a top 30 defense to be like a top 15 team in the country. Right. Like they need a top 50 to 60 defense, like Mm -hmm. top, top half of the league. And I feel like they've got that at this point. Like, yeah. and, And combine that with the fact that they've actually been able to run the ball, I think a little bit better than they had in the last couple of years. Yeah. I think North Carolina might be cooking with gas this year. Like, like it, they got something in Chapel yeah. Hill. They, they look good. And, and it's, again, it's, it's, it's total team wise. Like, do I think this team could keep USC from scoring? No. Right. Do I think they could score with them? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, so Arizona scoring with USC tonight. Clearly. Um, USC is trying to score with Arizona, it turns out. But yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the more accurate <laughs> description of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, I this to me was more impressive for North Carolina than it was disappointing for Syracuse. Although I will say, I saw a tweet. I think it was during the game. I believe it was from Emily Liker who came on and did the the preview with us uh, from Syracuse.com. Liker, I hardly know her. I mean, we do hardly know her, but right. she, you know, she's been on a couple times now. Though. New friend of the podcast, right. uh, but she came on and and but she tweeted something out that said basically, you know, we knew that this stretch for Syracuse was going to be the rough stretch for them because they had Clemson last week, North Carolina this week, Florida State next week. But she pointed out that of those three games, you figured North Carolina was probably the one that they had the best chance of pulling mm-hmm. off an upset. It was like mm-hmm. going to be the closest one. And buddy, they got boat raced in yeah. this game like this was not close it was never close uh, North Carolina up 27 to nothing at halftime again like you know that, that I think that's the disappointing thing to me if I'm Syracuse is like you felt like this again this is under a 10 point spread on the road you thought you had a chance you know a couple things you know the ball bounces your way a couple times whatever maybe you win this game Nah, no not at all mm-hmm. like just no. got rolled in this game yeah, um, there was a situation and I t- <laughs> we mentioned at the beginning of this show um, that there were a bunch of go ACC mm-hmm. moment of the week candidates this week. 
Uh, there was one of them that happened in this game that I texted the group about. It was, I think, late in the first quarter or something like that. North Carolina got stopped on third down. They're going to punt the ball. Syracuse blocks the punt, but in more so the uh, Dikembe Mutombo return to sender situation kind of pops it back up in the air, not not like just kind of tips it, pops it up in the air. Syracuse or the uh, North Carolina punter catches it, runs, basically has the first down, and uh, it's called a first down on the field. There's an injury on the field. They go to they go to commercial. There's like a three minute break. They come back and Dino is talking to one of the the officials like, what? hold on. Like there's a video board up there. It shows, you know, the guy was holding the ball kind of back and he didn't get to the first down line with the ball. Right. And finally is forced to call a timeout and throw the challenge flag to get him to review it and say like, dude, the spot, he didn't get there. He didn't get a first down. Yeah. Which they had ruled he got a first down on the field. Yep. They show on the broadcast, he didn't get the first down. And the announcers are like, yeah, he's not there. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that he has to tr- even throw the challenge flag for this. Right. And they come back. Sure enough. Rolling on the field stands. First down North Carolina. And nobody can believe what they're watching. But yeah. So go ACC to that, basically. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's up, upstaged by Chris Ball. Mm-hmm. Not taking any. Yeah. No, that's out. that <laughs> little did we know. Yeah. Oh, uh, Arizona's yeah. gonna score on USC, by the way. I know. I keep <laughs> keep kind of looking up at it right here. Hmm. Oh man. Look ahead game to Notre Dame, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if this version, if this version of USC shows up offensively, that could be interesting again. We'll sure see. Good. Uh North Carolina 40, Syracuse 7. Uh, let's just get this one out of the way. Number five, Florida State, 39, Virginia Tech, 17. So uh, an interesting first quarter, to say the least. I texted you guys uh, the stats because I wasn't sure. I know you know Scott's kind of on like a mini vacation this weekend, and uh, there were other games on that were better than this Florida State-Virginia Tech game if you weren't an alum. So uh, Florida State basically comes out first drive. They score, and then they fake the extra point. And get a two point conversion. So Which, that's it. Where the did message. what happened? Hold on. Why are we 24 and a half point favorites on the first drive of the game? You score a touchdown, you're, you're faking a field goal to get the two point. Like, what? Yeah, they're trying to send a message pretty quickly. Uh, to who? To Virginia Tech, I guess. Um, <laughs> sure. All right. Weird, right? Uh, yeah. That was one of three first quarter touchdowns for Florida State. Lawrence Toafili had a 28 yard run. Johnny Wilson caught an 18 yard touchdown. It was 22 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking it, you know, they're going to score 70 today. The route is on. Be, the route yeah. is on. And uh, just for good measure, Florida State outgained Virginia Tech in that first quarter 198 to nine. Yes, the Hokies had nine yards in the first quarter. Uh, Florida State had damn near 200, and Knowles could have done better than that. Not by much, but they could have done a little bit, could oh, have just a little bit better than that. A couple yards better. <laughs> so then, what does Virginia Tech do? Well, Virginia Tech starts methodically just working their way back into the game, right? Uh, they kick a field goal, 
right, to make it 22 to three. They get the ball back and put together a really nice drive. Bashel Tootin had a five yard touchdown run before halftime. Virginia Tech's defense got a couple stops, something they weren't doing in the first quarter. And it was 22 to 10 at halftime. And so I texted you guys and I'm like, Virginia Tech gets the ball first to start the second half. A little bit of offensive momentum. You know, you get a touchdown, you can make things interesting. Mm-hmm. So all Bashel Tootin did on the opening uh, kickoff for the second half is take it 99 yards for a touchdown. And it was 22 to 17. And at that point, you're like, game on. Oh? <laughs> interesting. What's uh, what's happening here? Game on. Right. And but then, then here's here's the thing, Joey. Virginia Tech has had one issue all year defensively. What's that issue? Uh, My first question was going to be one, uh, but I would guess tackling. 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 Run fits. Stopping the run in general. Just basic. Yeah. Uh, Trey Benson, like less than a minute after that kick was brought back for a touchdown to make it 22-17. He takes it 62 yards for a touchdown, basically untouched. I want to come back to this in just a second because Trey Benson had a comment after the game that was kind of hilariously cocky. Wait, I had 200? No. Oh, because that was part of the on-field interview afterwards. Uh, I think it was Quint Kesnick was uh, on the sideline and he said something along the lines of like towards the end of the interview, he was just going through his performance and at the end he goes, congrats, another 200-yard performance for you. And Benson said, I went for 200 and then the camera just kind of cut away from him. I mean, my next guess would have been his next comment would be like, I only had like five carries because no, no, the the comment that he actually made was I'm wondering what my miles per hour were on those two long touchdown runs because yeah, he had the 62 yard to the house there early in the third quarter. And then he had another one early in the fourth quarter. I believe 85, 85 to the house. Yeah. 85 to like really put it away. First play of the drive. Yeah, it was 32 17. Florida State gets the ball back. First play, 85 yards to the house. Trey Benson. So two long runs there. He basically fin- he finishes 11 for 200 and two touchdowns, mm-hmm. which has been, once again, Virginia Tech's problem all year. They'll contain a running back for, I mean, I guess in this game it wasn't a long period of time because he only had nine other carries, but you do enough to contain him for a significant period of time. And then you just let him pop off on like two runs. It's what happened against Marshall. It's what happened against Rutgers. Uh, It did not happen a week ago against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's some ass. But Mm -hmm. it did happen against Florida State, who, you know, functionally and from a talent standpoint, you know, is superior. Right. Yeah. So basically what ended up happening here is I thought Virginia Tech offensively early in the game, they looked a little starstruck. And then they settled in and played a lot better. I thought for a second straight week, Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, called a pretty good game. Uh, Virginia Tech didn't have a ton of points to show for it, obviously only scoring 10 points on the offensive side. Uh, Florida State's defense, team speed, you know, credit to them. Virginia Tech really struggled in third down in this game. Um, There was one point where Virginia Tech was, I think, 0 for 9 on third down, but they were 3 for 3 on fourth down. (laughs) So that's kind of how they were keeping drives alive. Uh, Virginia Tech finishes this game two for 13 on third down. That kind of tells a story. Florida State was able to get off the field defensively quite frequently. Um, Hokies still you... put up over 300 yards of offense. I was okay with this. They covered. I was okay with this. 
performance. Long yeah, yeah, they did. I, you know, I, I was trying to like make myself feel better about picking Florida State minus anything in this game and realizing they didn't cover by what was it two two and a half points basically from yeah. what we booked on the podcast. And I told myself, mm-hmm. well, yeah. They didn't cover by two and a half points in a game where Virginia Tech ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. Like, mm-hmm. so that that tells me something, I guess. But yeah, no, I mean, hey, credit to the Hokies. Like, and in, in in a game where you went down twenty-two to nothing in the what middle of the second quarter, that's like you know a team that like this. That's, I mean, they're they're not going to make a bowl game. Like, there's been all sorts of disappointment through the years. Like, that's like full on pack it up. Like, we're done, go home territory. And they they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. right like it was 22 to nothing and then the Hokies in two drives they score 10 points come back from halftime run a kickoff back and it's it's 22 17 and all of a sudden it's like oh hello what's going on here yeah um so so credit to them for sure I want your opinion on this Mike does do you get the sense in in a lot of these games this year that Florida State like kind of checks in checks out yep. checks in checks out like Yep. They look fantastic to start. And then they're like in cruise control, but it's like way too early to be in cruise control. And then the game kind of gets closer and then they start scoring again and they like check out again. I'm just, I don't know that that's going to end up being anything for Florida state. Like I think they will be fine, especially again, looking at what they have against the ACC down the stretch, like who's really going to beat them. They're gonna uh, drop one. They're gonna drop one of these. You sh- yeah. I mean, it's it's on the table. It's on like when they are really humming, like they are really tough to beat. Yeah. But I mean, for a team that scored twenty two points in their first three drives here, and then goes you know four and out, three and out, and I don't know it. It it just it seems like Florida State is struggling to stay focused and stay engaged and play with an edge for a full four quarters against teams that they have like totally outmanned. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I don't know if it'll jump up and bite them or not, but it definitely could. Like that's on the table. All I'm all I'm saying is there are two opponents here in the next couple of weeks in Syracuse and Duke that like to play a certain brand of football physically up front. And I'm just curious if Florida state checks in and checks out, if those games get a little bit more interesting than we might think on the mm-hmm. surface, you know? Yeah. And again, the caveat with Duke, like we've mentioned a few times tonight with other schedules is Riley Leonard going to play, but I willing to bet if he's even, 65 70%. He's going to try to suit up and play that game. Yeah. So there was, there was so much with Duke over the next like three to four weeks of, we don't know the specifics of that injury of like, is he able to go? Is he just not able to move, but he can throw it? Like, there is so much that hinges on what he is and isn't able to do over the next few weeks of, yeah. you know, is Duke threatening or not? And uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. Just by virtue of just like nationally, just having the understanding right now as we're in, I guess, our technically our first full weekend of, of football in October. 
I'm trying to figure out who's good and who's not nationally. And there aren't a ton of teams who are better than Florida State when they Mm -hmm. have it all together. I still believe that. But I also have been pretty firm based on what I've seen so far that I don't think that Florida State is going to be as focused as they need to be across like 12, 13 games to get into a playoff and have me feel real good about them in that scenario. Like Florida State goes and plays like, again, Michigan hadn't really been tested yet. Michigan played Minnesota tonight, kicked the piss out of them. This was like their first real game, but Michigan's looked good. Georgia looked like war machine Georgia again today against against Kentucky for the first time this year for what that's worth for the first time this year um Georgia was kind of in some deep shit with Auburn last Saturday and kind of pulled themselves out of it and then everybody's talking up Kentucky all week and Georgia just destroyed them I don't think Florida State beats either one of those two teams but outside of that like I don't know who's really good and could like really give Florida state a bunch of issues if they're fully humming. So the very top end of college football is, has come back down to earth this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The top, the top two or three teams in the country that were borderline untouchable the last few years, they're, they're not untouchable this year. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's part of the reason I think that Florida state could be a top four or five team. It's not because they look untouchable. It's because, I mean, compare them against. I thought Texas looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. They got beat today. Yeah, like you know, like I don't know that anybody is really that bulletproof this year in the way that you know Georgia and Ohio State and even Clemson a few years ago. Like some of those teams have looked like I don't know that anybody is. And so yeah, Damn sure, why not Florida State? Right. But yeah, anyway. so we'll see. But yeah, they're they're screwing around a little bit mm-hmm. and. They should probably stop doing that. And Mike Norvell has to like call his team in like every time out. He has to have like the entire team in a huddle to try to get their attention, which I didn't really think much of it. And now the more I watch Florida State, I'm like, he's got to like get that team refocused several times during the game. And if I'm a coach on that staff, that would concern me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Completely anyway, agreed. Florida State wins. They don't cover. 39-17 Florida State over Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, we got three games left here, Mike. And <laughs> interesting discussions to be had, I think, with all three of them. Yeah, let's go to Virginia Tech's opponent next Saturday first. Uh, <laughs> that 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 would be Wake Forest, by the way. Mm. Clemson 17, Wake Forest 12. So uh, I was Dude, wrong about what? this game. What are we... Clemson! What are we... What are we doing here? We're back like, on the Brandon Streeter offense. I just when I thought that Clemson was turning into like slowly turning into a, a buzzsaw before our eyes. Like they run out here and they put up 17 points in four quarters against Wake Forest. Like just none of this looked good for Clemson. This was not even fits and starts, mostly just fits. Like, I don't know. This was this was disappointing, frustrating for Clemson. Like you, you should have been able to, I mean, Wake Forest could not move the ball in this game, like almost at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know how Clemson had such a hard time getting any momentum going on offense at all. 
Yeah, I mean, the the Wake Forest piece of this went pretty much exactly how I anticipated on the offensive side. They had a lot of trouble moving the ball, like you mentioned. Mitch Griffiths had only 137 yards passing on 15 completions. Uh, Wake only averaged 2.6 yards per carry in this game. Um, Clemson lived in the backfield, gave Wake's offense a bunch of issues. The the part of this I, I really don't understand is... And, and Clemson had four sacks, by the way, just to kind of finish that thought. Mm-hmm. Four sacks, eight tackles for loss. I don't really understand how Clemson was totally unable to move the ball in this game. I watched a decent amount of this. I had it in another screen um, as I was watching Virginia Tech. I really did not understand this. Like, Klubnik only had 131 yards passing. He was outpaced by Mitch Griffiths in this game, throwing the ball. Um, rushing... So Shipley had 97 yards rushing on 19 carries. They just refused to continue to get the ball to him for some reason. He was averaging over five a clip. Phil Maffa had 63 yards rushing um, on seven yards per carry. They should have just kept running the ball if the passing game wasn't there today. And they just kept going away from it, kept trying to throw. I don't know, man, because this Wake defense is not that great. I mean, it's, it's okay, right? I mean, we haven't talked about Wake Forest defense being like a world beater defense. It's been okay. It's been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been like a liability per se, but it hasn't been a unit that I thought would be functional enough to shut down Clemson for four quarters in Death Valley, nonetheless. With what we've seen from Clemson in the last three Month. to four weeks, like Month, it's yeah. it's coming together slowly week over week. And then this week, it just didn't. I don't know. This is this is bizarre to me. I I don't yeah. I don't understand this game, and I mean, last last year Wake almost beat Clemson, but that was in Winston Salem, right? And sometimes it's it's not that like Winston Salem is like a super intense, intimidating environment, right? Like it's it's not that, but. Sometimes there's a little bit of a voodoo there, I think. And Clemson, especially going into Winston-Salem, seems to have some struggles. This was in Death Valley. Clemson scoring 17 points in four quarters against this this Wake Forest defense. I don't get it at all. You mentioned Clemson was living in the Wake Forest backfield. uh, uh, Clemson's defense was. And yeah, that was what I saw last week from Georgia Tech, or two weeks ago, I guess. Um, I saw very different things last week from Georgia Tech. Two weeks ago from Georgia Tech, they were, yeah, caving in Wake's offensive line, like the whole kind of call it slow mesh thing, whatever, like was just being totally devoured by the defensive front. Um, and and I, as I mentioned in the preview is like, OK, well, so if, if that's going to happen, which it did, by the way, Clemson was just totally mauling them. You got to put this game on the arm of Mitch Griffiths. Doesn't seem like it's going to go well. It didn't. I mean, Wake scoring 12 was fairly predictable here mm-hmm. what's and so clemson's defense i mean absolutely came to play and did their part just bizarre to me that their offense had such a problem moving the ball as consistently as they did so yeah i'm guessing this is a hiccup it seems like again with a coordinator like garrett riley like this is going to come together more often than not and and over the course of the season but this was a uh, this was a down point versus what we've seen the last few weeks from clemson's offense yeah, two giveaways too. Um, Tyler Brown had a fumble. Clemson's mm-hmm. upstart receiver; he's been real good. Uh, and then Klubnik had one too. It's mm-hmm. tough, man. 
I don't know. And and it's not like a look ahead spot. Clemson's on bye next week, so like they're gonna have the week off. The weird yeah. game. I don't really understand it. Yeah, I'm not sure. And Dennis 133 seems like Clemson's making a lot more mistakes like this year, like the muff punt. Yeah, I did. This is the the whole like, are you engaged and and focused and paying attention and it makes more sense to me from like a major league baseball player standpoint of you play 162 games and it's the middle of July and August and you've been at this for four months and you're trying to remember how many outs there are and like simple, you know, basic stuff like that versus just going through the motions. I get that. But like this is a 12 game season and you know, maybe there's, there is an expectation of, we're playing against Wake Friggin Forest and you know we're yeah. Clemson the Clemson Friggin Tigers and we're supposed to you know wipe the floor with them so I don't got to pay that much attention to them but at some point you you have to like come yeah. on Lee nobody Clemson loses two more games I don't think so I don't either I think they probably split Notre Dame and North Carolina they'll do what they have to do to win games like yeah no 8 and 4 Clemson I think that's worst case scenario. They get Notre um, Dame. They get Notre Dame in Death Valley. And, you know, if there is a defense on North Carolina schedule that could slow them down, it's Clemson. And by the way, that game is also in Death Valley. And am I concerned about Clemson going on the road to South Carolina? No. Have no. you seen South Carolina's offensive line? <laughs> no. 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 Not going to be an issue this year. You thought so, they couldn't block North Carolina? <laughs> brother <laughs> buddy it's gonna be a yeah. field day for clemson's front in that game yeah and clemson does go to miami after the bye week right but uh it's a very well coached miami team so yeah you gotta be careful with that clemson yeah just you know clemson just needs to make sure they play the full 60 minutes because if miami's in a position to kneel down they may not so just just hypothetically you never know and yeah and if you're just joining us scroll back oh about an hour and 17 minutes to the top of the show yeah go back to the very beginning of the show and then scroll ahead two minutes if you want to get to the point where i've stopped laughing because are you kidding me <laughs> unbelievable best best sport on earth mike 100 yeah. percent. yep two more clemson 17 wake forest 12 I'm saving a special one for the end. So let's go here. So, Boston College. Oh, so yep. just going to mention this is yep. that there, there's two games left and mm -hmm. it feeds into my, my overall narrative between these two that were noon games. And there's a two o'clock game where the ACC fairly narrowly avoided a uh, painful, embarrassing update upset in all three of these games. Mm -hmm. That was NC state avoiding it against Marshall. And I'm not sure which one of these first two you're going to go for. So Boston college. Boston College 27, Army 24. Dude, uh, had yeah. to have it. Had to have it. They got it. Uh, Thomas Castellanos with a touchdown run with, oh, not much time left. Like 25 seconds. Yeah, like that. I'm, I'm getting the exact. I mean, I watched it live, but I had the. I mean, uh, Tom Brady incarnate. Yeah, 24 of nine for 73 yards and a pick. 25. <laughs> Tom Brady incarnate. Uh, 20, it was with 25 seconds to play. Uh, he ran in for his fourth touchdown run of the day, because like you mentioned the whole passing game thing, the Tom Brady incarnate, 
uh, more like uh, former Boston College quarterback Dennis Grossell. <laughs> a man named Dennis. A man named Dennis. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Castellano, 73 yards passing on nine attempts and an interception. He had 31 carries for 31 for 142 yards and four touchdowns. Building the whole ship out of Thomas Castellanos. Yeah, Pat Garwo. It barely worked. Pat Garwo, 14 for 111. Uh, BC ran for 299 yards and four touchdowns in this game on about five yards per carry. That's pretty good. They were more physical than Army up front. That's kind of what happened here. I will say this, and if you weren't watching this game, it would have been lost on you that this game was played in various stages of a rainstorm. Um, Mm -hmm. This is an ugly day in West Point, so it's not like it was really set up for some sort of air raid situation here. Right. Um, so I think I think that's at least from a Boston College standpoint. I think that's why they they ran seventy plays on offense and sixty one of them were on the ground. Like <laughs> they just didn't even bother trying to throw the ball. I think it was because of the weather. Yeah, there's a non-zero chance it was because the whole just passing game situation with Thomas Castellanos and these these receivers is uh, just it's not a good situation. It could be some of that too. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Army was a three point favorite when we previewed this mm-hmm. game earlier this week. Army had this thing covered through 59 and a half minutes. I'll be damned. Yeah. yeah they did. <laughs> they did indeed. Until they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And this went pretty much exactly how I thought in terms of a field goal either direction. That's where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird, weird game here. Um, Army. Also averaged about five yards per carry. Ran the ball well in this game. Uh, Bryce Daly, the quarterback, had 105 yards passing and a touchdown. But let's not pretend that he was airing it out as well, to your point about the weather being real bad. Weird a game. sneaky, huge win for Boston College. Like, Buddy, that's two in a row for Halfley that he needed really, really bad. <laughs> Boston College is now, they improved to 3-3 three and three on the year. Their three wins are by an average of three points per game. I did some quick math in my head because they beat Holy Cross 31-28, Virginia 27-24, and now Army 27-24. Yeah. So roughly on average a three points per game margin there for the uh, the Eagles. Um, they <laughs> – are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. Boston College, are they going to make a bowl game? Uh, so I have the schedule pulled up. <laughs> and I was going to pose this question to you literally uh, once you stop talking because, because I had the same thought. And you know what? You don't have to squint that hard. Mm-hmm. Joey, I've, I, have a better, I have a better question for you. Are they going to have bowl eligibility locked up by the first weekend in November? Whew. Uh, so... Let's, let's like talk. like the, the afternoon of November third. I guess basically. it would be. I guess it would technically be around the time we record Saturday Night Fever. I'm going to say 3rd. no. Okay, no. I'm I'm going to say no too. But I feel like there's no way that they win all three. Three, yeah, all of their next three games. There's no way that would be a five game winning streak. By the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's counting? This friggin' team, man. So October 21st, so they're on bye next week. October 20- It's going to be a big bye week next week in the ACC, by the way. Yeah. Name several teams on bye. 
Absolutely nobody says BC is not winning another ACC game. Au contraire. On the table. <laughs> Au contraire, as the French say. But, but have uh, you yeah. looked at the schedule, Lee? Because <laughs> Certainly on the table, but I would not be putting my money on them not winning another ACC game. On the road to Georgia Tech, uh, Joey, that's a game Boston College could win because Georgia Tech lost to Bowling Green last weekend. Boston uh, College's final six games of the year are like a bottom half of the ACC Royal Rumble, basically. Like, it, just that's exactly right. And Miami <laughs> is included. By the way, Miami's included in that discussion because Miami you just lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, Boston College facts hosts, only. hosts UConn. Yeah, facts only. At ten on ten twenty eight. You host UConn. Uh, November third. That's a Friday night. Oh, it's a Friday night. November third. You go to Syracuse, and then. You host Virginia Tech. You go to Pittsburgh, both winnable games. And then you host Miami at the end of the year. And Miami loves to check out of uh, late November games Mm -hmm. around Thanksgiving. You mean two weeks after they lose to Florida State? That's correct. It's like, oh, unthinkable. Yeah. I am not saying that Boston College is going to make a bowl game. But I'm also not not saying it. You're going to tell me they can't win three out of four against Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Pittsburgh? They can absolutely win three out of four against that group. My goodness. Speaking by of the way, sneaky, I'd, huge out-of-conference wins here. Yeah, and by the way, I don't think Boston College is good either. No. We had the NC State discussion. Mm-hmm. NC State's four and two, and they're not very good. BC's three and three. They're not very good. Nope. I don't think so. So <laughs> we've had a lot of hypothetical bowl game discussions tonight because we're getting to that time of year where the mm-hmm. schedule, they're all getting ready to just play against each other and let the worst man sit at home. <laughs> and <sighs> this league. <laughs> so gross. Uh, important question from Alexis Solaris here. <laughs> Boston College versus Virginia Tech, Sicko's game of the year. <laughs> I I'm going to say no because Boston College played UVA last weekend. Mm, and I think that yeah. one, unless that gets, unless BC goes down multiple scores and then just comes storming back or vice versa, because that seems to be Virginia Tech's thing to do, <laughs> go down multiple scores and come storming back. Um, counterpoint, counterpoint. Virginia's awesome. Virginia's awesome. Virginia's awesome. Virginia's oh, awesome. Virginia's Just awesome. Let Virginia's awesome. Virginia's. <laughs> I don't know Man. what Scott has going on with the soundboard that everything's on a loop, but uh... <laughs> he'll explain it to us. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. <laughs> BC versus him. Yeah, for sure. We'd be. Still doing this on Zencaster. BC versus VT and Pitt about to be ultimate sicko games. That's from Evan Sandage. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> oh, that would be correct. And not only that, but those coming back to back weeks for Boston College. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's the Commonwealth Cup. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about UVA next <laughs> to wrap this thing up. <laughs> Boston College 27, Army 24. Mike, Virginia avoids the upset. They're on the board. If you see Virginia 27, William and Mary 13, and you think, all right, well, you know, Virginia had it going, easy, comfortable, you know, 
non-embarrassing kind of situation. The scoreboard says that, mm-hmm. but I, I do feel like there's some context that's missing there. Like Virginia caught a couple of massive breaks in this game that if they had gone the other way, this game might've turned out very differently. I will mm-hmm. call that out. Yep. There was a uh, specifically the one that comes to mind was so Virginia kicks a field goal with about two and a half minutes left till halftime. They kick the ball off. William and Mary is working their way down the field and um, they they threw a pass. I think it was or something. Basically, like a, a guy was running, he had a first down. He gets tackled where he's like kind of flipped over. Yeah. And as he comes down, like his elbow hits the ground and it knocks the ball out. And it is very clearly an instance of the ground cannot cause a fumble. This is not a turnover. He's down. It's it's tribe ball. Yeah. But it's ruled a fumble on the field. Virginia recovers it. They go and, re- and review it, and they decide the, the ruling on the field stands. Yeah. Which, once again, the announcers in the booth are like, hold on, what? Yeah. Like, they're talking us through the review. They're like, no, 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 this is William and Mary's ball. And then the referee comes out and says, no, it's not. It's Virginia's yep. ball, which, sure, whatever. Virginia then goes down in less than a minute and scores a touchdown. Yeah. So that's a 10-point swing right there. There was also a situation where Virginia, I think, went for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter, uh, kind of outside of field goal range, but in plus territory. Mm-hmm. Pretty clearly kind of looked like they didn't get it. Yep. But got a bit of a favorable spot. I think there was mm-hmm. a review and it was not overturned. And then they go down, and they score, they score another f- touchdown. Like yep. there was like 17 points of officiating luck in this game that went yeah. to Virginia. Yeah. And, you know, credit to them and and just such a blessing for Tony <laughs> Elliott. <laughs> such a blessing. That he didn't lose to the guy who was fired so that his predecessor could be hired, basically. Yes. Um, yep. Like, that could have been such a mess. I will say it is a bit concerning that his predecessor's predecessor is running an FCS program in the area that kind of pushed the Power 5 program to the brink for four quarters. Was up two scores. Does this how we how we uh, how we feeling here, at Virginia and Tony, and also the other Tonys? And I just yeah, this, Tony Musket, by the way, he started again for a two. Yeah, good grief! For what are we doing, Virginia? Like this, they're one in five. They get a win. Congratulations to them. I everybody deserves to get a win. Right, like nobody deserves to go zero and twelve. I'm glad the players got one here and all that, but like, are they are they getting another one? <sighs> Let me pull up the schedule here. I, I I don't think so. I don't think so either. No. Oh no 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 no. I don't. Uh, well, I mean, you get both Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech at home. Those are both kind of inherently winnable but not because you're like a functional ACC program. They're going to be an underdog in both. That, like 1-11 is absolutely on the table and might be the most likely outcome here for Virginia. Might be the most likely outcome. Like I think this win probably saves Tony Elliott's job for probably a month. But can you as much as, much as I don't I generally do not 
uh, advocate for firing a guy after year, like within year two, like give yeah. a man a, a little bit of time to sort it out. Yeah. This is not getting better, Mike. Like no. this is a mess no. and, and it's become more of a mess since he got there. And again, there's, there's context end of last season tragedy. I, I get that, but like mm-hmm. just from a pure on the field standpoint, this is getting yeah. worse. It has not been good. No. Why are we playing Tony Musket? Put Calandria in the game. Can you do me a favor? Can you grab Lee Nobody's comment and put it on the screen for me? It's the <laughs> one really obvious one. By God, is that Mike London's music? <laughs> Hold on, let me see if we got the Stone Cold Steve Austin music in the uh in the soundboard. We don't, unfortunately. Yeah, that would have been on a loop too. <laughs> Evan Sandage beating William and Mary midseason should never be a job saver. And yet, and yet, Lino, buddy, VT is on the schedule. Yes, they are. UVA does not beat Virginia Tech, even when Virginia Tech is dog water. So, uh, I don't know, man. I don't. This is the crazy thing, right? Is that when. There was there was kind of some like mixed messaging of like was Bronco retiring? Did he step down? Was mm-hmm. he fired? Like we weren't really like really clear on exactly why that whole thing came to an end. I think that the large suspicion is that there was pressure for him to fire one of his coordinators and he said no, and we kind of went from there. But like this is clearly w- way worse than what Bronco was doing there. Right. Way like, worse. Yeah. He was consistently like what five and seven at worst, if not like Joey. making bowl games every year. Like Joey. Way worse than what Mike London was doing there. Yeah. He was like at least four and eight every year. You know, they had they had more talent than this. And this is such a mess. It's so bad. Yeah. Evan Sandage. Good question. What is Bronco doing these days? Uh, is he busy on like Tuesday? He can come to practice and just step in and run this thing again, or <sighs> I think they're going one eleven. I think they might be. Yeah. Yeah, they've, I, I think they've got two shots at another win down the stretch, and we'll see. If they fought, I mean, if they lost to William and Mary and they went 0 12, I mean, he's absolutely getting fired. I, mm-hmm. We might have to have Tony Syracuse back on here soon. Mm-hmm. Just a big old, I told you so. He did. And then we can he ask him about be- Dino and he'd be like, well, never mind. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Dino's not fired. No. That's it. That's Those are the games. We did it. I think those are our games. Yeah. And we got them all. All eight of them. So the Queen Elizabeth Second Memorial You Died Award goes to Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the sound effect we can get on here is a, like a playing of taps. Uh, like, <laughs> ba, ba, ba. Yeah. Or some like British key party music. Yeah. Get that going. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, uh, uh what the uh not the bagpipes but uh drum and fife drum yeah, and fife drum and music. Fife. Yeah, yeah 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 there we go 
There we go. Yeah. Uh, go ACC moment of the week. There's arguably go ACC moment of the year is Mario Cristobal handing it off and not taking a knee. Yeah. And uh, well, you know, then Georgia Tech wins 23 to 20. Uh, just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I have a, uh, I have the U, the U tried award. Brian McGordon Memorial, of course, you tried award. Mm. Uh, goes to ACC officiating. So the officials in the Virginia Tech Florida State game were real bad. Uh, you mentioned the officials in the UVA William and Mary game. Not great. Just some real questionable calls in the games I was watching. There were some weird calls in the Clemson Wake Forest game this afternoon. Just some strange officiating. Not that there's ever not, but just especially odd officiating this weekend. I, I think I got eyes on five of the eight games in some like reasonable capacity. And I, I feel like almost every single one, there was something that like went to review or there was something that happened that was like, Oh, they're going to get this right. And they came back and they didn't. It was like, what the hell are we doing? Like, yeah. What are y'all watching is like, are we just trying to protect the shield of like not overturn anybody's <laughs> shield? you know, not overturn anybody's calls. Like, I don't understand what's going on, but yeah, there were some absolute officiating shenanigans like across the league basically this weekend. So yeah, yeah, go ACC to that. Uh, Joey, I I'm getting reminded in the comments. So we brought up a score from this game earlier tonight, but uh, do we have the Falcon sound queued up? (laughs) Oh, give me a second. It's, it's in here somewhere. Uh, I swear it's in here somewhere. Why is it not in here? Where is it? Scott. Oh. That was All right. I'm just going to play down. this one because uh, it's marginally appropriate. And I just want to hear it. Here we go. Hey, Miami, Ohio, 27 Bowling Green, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was like a, a mild excuse I could make there a couple of years ago when Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois and then Northern Illinois went and won the Mac, even though they were like nine and four with like a negative point differential. Yeah, a really down Mac here. No excuses here. This Bowling Green team sucks. They're, They're terrible. They're, They're bad. Really bad. There is no excuse for losing to that yeah. team at all whatsoever. Full stop. Amen. Like, where's the Falcon sound? This is on I mean, Scott. It's 1 15 a.m. on the Lord's Day. Amen to that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Bowling Green, some ass. Uh, you brought up Northern Illinois. I bet the under on the Northern Illinois Akron game today. And then Northern Illinois hit the over by themselves. So, ooh, ooh, that's not great. Yeah, not good. Oh, Scott Leffler keeping Georgia Tech from claiming a quality loss. That's from Evan Sandage. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Damn it, Evan. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, professional pl- podcasting from Alexis Solaris. That's right as well. So, do you have a player of the week? Uh, player of the week, Jawar Jordan's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's probably the big one. Okay. I'm going to go I, with Drake, will- Drake May. It's probably my pick. Yeah, Drake May is really yeah. good. Um, I, I will call out, you know, his team lost, but. Dude, Xavier Restrepo from Miami 
Mm-hmm. I think he caught roughly like 115 passes in this game tonight. <laughs> um, like literally Tyler Van Dyke completed 24 passes. 12 of them were to Xavier Restrepo. Like, yeah. Speaking of just, you got to just got to cover one guy, like just cover that guy. And yeah, nobody knows what to do. And yeah, they tech didn't do that. And credit to him. He was everywhere. Um, yeah, those are the, the, the big names that came to my mind. Yeah. No Trey doubt. Benson. <laughs> Trey Benson. Yes. Two carries for 160 yards or something like that. And two scores. It's yeah. pretty good too. Yeah. Stock down once again on the Virginia tech linebacking core. Could be better. Happens to be a position group coached by none other than defensive coordinator, Chris Marv. So <laughs> just keep an eye on that. Um, Put his name on that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, team of the week. I have one. <laughs> Georgia Tech. <laughs> I was going to go with Louisville, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes, <sighs> I mean, Louis, Louisville's probably the real answer. Beating that ass against Notre Dame. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the impressive win of the week for sure, was Louisville taking it to Notre Dame at home. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, we can, we can give a couple flowers to Georgia Tech for pulling off the impossible. And since this is a late night podcast, Joey, and we've already gone through the sponsorship stuff, um, I don't think this is in poor taste. That's a lie. I have a new award. Oh, God. Oh, no. Welcome back to Mike Presents New Awards. Much to Joey's terror at what's going to happen on the show. I don't care. I'm a sicko. I'm going to have to just say this very slowly so I get through it. Without laughing. Don't press send. I really shouldn't. (laughs) Joey, this is the Lee Corso Memorial I Had a Stroke Award. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And I would like to hand out the inaugural I Had a Stroke Award to Mario Cristobal. Hmm. I forgot the rules award. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, good grief. Well, just in time, Scott texted us to let us know he's watching hammered. So, uh, Everyone's just like living our best lives right now. Is I the think thing, what we're saying. The thing is, like, I'm pretty sure my award that I just gave out is on tape delay. And yep, Evan Sandage is chiming in on the comments because yep, yep. Here we go. Waiting for the text from Scott. See, mm. because when we record this Joey live, we have like a tour. It's about two minute delay, I think. Lee, nobody, dear God. Waiting for the text from Scott. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Hopefully the sponsors have stopped listening by now. <laughs> Good grief. All right. <sighs> this is what the people are really here for, I assume. You listen long enough. You have a couple of drinks in you. I, I'm sober. I'm totally sober. I have not had a drink since last night. It's 1.20 a.m. on the East Coast, so God bless. Like, yeah. There you go. All right.
You know, that's not the worst. That this is from Adam, Adam Parker. I do appreciate this. You He's know, right. that's not the worst thing Mike has said before. He's that's right. correct. And don't go into our Instagram direct messages. <laughs> yep. Man, comments are rolling right now. Sport in the Everyone's right. Everyone, no everyone is spot on. No doubt. Spot on. <sighs> Mike, that's all I've got on week six. I feel like we should uh, quit while we're ahead. I think we should have quit five minutes ago if we wanted to quit while we were ahead. <laughs> Ten minutes even, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, we're going to come back and preview week seven. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate the folks in the comments. Um, this Once again, Good a crowd lot of fun. Tonight. Good crowd tonight. Good crowd. Um, a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of interaction. So really appreciate you all showing up. Um, we're going to keep doing this as much as we can on Saturday night. So keep tuning in here. Hit the subscribe button at youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Um, we, we love interacting with the people and there's been a lot of extra, again, just great comments that help add to the show. So thank you. Thank you. To the folks who showed up um, again, we're going to come back and preview week seven. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together. We're at BC podcast ACC. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, all the good places you go find your podcasts. Once again, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, your comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Where are we on these social medias, Mike? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Uh, find most of our podcasts there. Mm-hmm. Instagram at BC podcast, ACC, YouTube, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Please, please do hit the subscribe button. Uh, definitely do that. Shout out to our sponsors as long as we still have them. Uh, <laughs> Section 103, Home Field, and Vivid Seats. I know we'll at least have Section 103 still on board after tonight because they've heard worse from me. <laughs> 17% off everything in the store in the uh, store tomorrow from section103.com yeah. in honor of Georgia Tech beating number 17 Miami in the most unthinkable and possible fashion on earth. Yeah. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. You want to come back and preview week seven? Only five games in week seven. Mm-hmm. So small what could slate. possibly go wrong? But it's a small slate, but that doesn't mean anything. Arizona might be getting it done against USC. We'll see. I don't know. Um, that's a horse collar. It's <laughs> a look ahead for them and uh, for Notre Dame, turns out. Yep. Yep. Man. I'm going to have to stay up and watch this, aren't I? <laughs> this is God the problem. Damn. My kid's going to wake up in like an hour. It's like basically dawn. This is the problem with the Saturday night shows is like we get hooked into watching these Pac-12 games that go until 2 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mike, we'll talk soon. Preview week seven. How's that? Yep. Sounds good. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to the folks for tuning in on the stream as well. We will talk to you again very, very soon. And until then, go ACC.